Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good to see you guys today. I love, I love being here with you guys. Um, all of you online people as well. Can we give it up for the online people? Can we, can we say welcome to them? We, we really are glad you're here. I've got it on my phone right now. Amanda, I see you. Tisha, I see you. Uh, Roger, I see you. But you're also in the sound booth, so that's kind of... But that's great. When we were in um, uh, a couple years ago, COVID times, we'd have like half of the congregation at home still, you know. And so a lot of us in the sanctuary would have our Facebooks open and muted, and we'd chat on here, and uh, people would make fun of me behind my back online and stuff. So you're still welcome to do that. If you want to hop on your phone and say hi to people online, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, I love that, that kind of community. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. Um, I heard a story this week that I want to tell you about. There was this uh, college kid. His name was Jimmy, and Jimmy was attending uh, one of those giant college classes, you know, like with the hundreds of people in the classroom, and they meet in a big auditorium, and he had a test to take, and the professor discovered, this was like right at the time of cell phones coming out and such, that the professor was discovering that kids were texting each other during, during the test. Kids who had taken it earlier in the day were texting other people questions and answers. And so last minute he came up with this idea to have a form that people sign that says, I swear that I did not have any outside help with this test. And then you sign it and hand it in with your test, you know. And so Jimmy, he took the test and... Um, he came up with his form unsigned. He didn't want to sign the form, and the professor said, hey, Jimmy, why aren't you going to sign this form? I'm going to flunk you for it. And he's like, well, prof, you know, I, I, the entire test, I was asking for God's help, and I was praying, God, please help me, and on question one, and on question two, I said, God, please help me, and on question six, I said, please, God, help me. And the professor was like, okay, well, give me your test. And he uh, got his test, and he started looking through it, and he says, well, Jimmy, you can sign the form with a clear conscience because God did not help you one <laughs> single bit. We're talking about prayer today, hopefully a little deeper than that. And uh, we, we, this is actually our last Sunday in this series called Shift. And we're looking at the book of James in the Bible where James is just continually calling us into action. He's like, it's great that you have faith, guys, but, you know, you need to move that faith into action. And so he's constantly calling us to shift our faith into action. And in fact, at one point, he's like, if your faith doesn't move you to action, then it's just dead. It's worthless. That's how extreme he gets. And so today we're going to look at one last, one more action that James calls us into to move our faith into action as we are followers of Jesus. And this single action that James invites us into not only leads us into all the other ways that we should move into action, but it leads us to the very heart of God. And this thing that James is going to talk to us about is prayer. And prayer, it's not only um, one of the things that James talks about, but it's one of these things that can be woven through every other part. Every other thing that James has commanded us to do in, in his letter 
we can throw prayer in there. We can weave prayer through all of these things. So the things we've talked about, just a few, seeking God's wisdom, enduring hardships, resisting temptation, listening and doing God's word, caring for the widow and orphan, seeking the needs of our community, loving our neighbor as ourselves, controlling our tongues, storing our treasure in heaven, all of these things should, can and should be woven with prayer. We can bring prayer into all of it. Now, the topic of prayer, I've found, can often bring shame to people. Because we're thinking like, well, you know, I don't pray enough. I don't pray the right way. I don't know how to pray. I don't use enough these and thous and, oh, Lord, we beseech these in our prayers, right? Some of us can think that way. I think all of us have thought that way at some point, that we don't pray enough, that we don't pray the right way, and shame is something that keeps us from prayer. And it's a common strategy from the enemy to keep us from God. Like putting shame in our lives leads to thoughts where we say, you know, I don't know how to pray, so why bother? I don't pray enough, so God's just disappointed. Why start? He won't accept my prayers. Uh, you know, I've done so many wrong things, like, God doesn't even like me. Like, why start in prayer? He doesn't want to spend time with me. He can't even stand me. And friends, if you've had those thoughts, those are all thoughts of shame. Those are shame-based lies. And they're lies that the enemy loves to keep feeding us, because what do they do? They keep us away from prayer. They keep us away from the goodness of God in prayer. So, shame not to be confused with conviction. Um, conviction is different in that conviction will lead us into prayer. Conviction will lead us to God. And so we might have these thoughts that, that say, you know, I would like to connect with God through prayer. I would like to know his goodness. I do want to make it a part of my routine, and I'm not doing it enough, right? That's the conviction. And if we say yes to that, that leads us to God in prayer. But the more we say no to that kind of conviction, the more we kind of back away and pick up these lies of shame that we start believing. It makes us more susceptible to shame. And we actually start believing these lies. I'm not good enough. God doesn't want to hear from me. I've messed up again, so why even start? And we begin to carry these lies around, and they put a, a false barrier between us and God. And today, I, I really believe that God wants to obliterate that shame for you. Like, whatever shame you carry around about prayer, God wants to obliterate that. And so before we even go another step forward, I just want to spend a moment in prayer between us and God, and just giving Him our shame and letting Him do with what He does with it. So will you, will you bow your heads and, and pray with me for a moment? If there's anything that this prayer stirs up in you, anything that you want to grab onto, make it your own prayer. Grab onto that. Make it your own prayer. If you want to ignore everything I say and just pray to God right now about, about prayer, that's, that's fine too. So God, today I give you my shame. You know, sometimes I have these thoughts that I'm not worthy to pray to you for whatever reason. I don't pray enough, so I bother. I've believed the lie that you judge me harshly for not praying. 
God, all those things, they've, they've kept me away from you. And so I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the ways that I've said no to prayer. It's led to shame in my life. And Jesus, I know over and over again in the Bible, you forgive and restore. And so Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your restoration. I throw off the shame. I receive in, in its stead, in its place, I receive your forgiveness and acceptance and love for me. Before you open your eyes, imagine yourself in a familiar place. Welcome, now, now welcome Jesus into that place. Open a door for him. If it's inside, if it's outside, you know, invite him in. Picture the physical Jesus standing there with you, smiling because he's happy to see you. He's pleased with your invitation to hang out. And now, picture yourself with your bundle of shame and just say, Jesus, I don't want this anymore. Will you take it? In my mind, when I was doing this exercise, Jesus like took this bundle of shame and just punted it into the end hunted it into the sun. Like, just obliterated it. And I know that he does the same for you. And so, Jesus, today we receive your freedom from shame around prayer. We, wanna, we know that you love us. We know that you want us to come to you whenever, whenever um, situations arise. And so, Jesus, would you teach us about prayer today? Would you lead us into prayer? Would today be a result of more time spent with you? Jesus, we love you. Amen. I know that's not something we usually do in the middle of a, of a sermon, but I think that going to God in prayer could be the most important thing we do. Like, above any other random thing I say today, I think that could be the piece. And so if you got something out of that today, um, you can just turn off your brain. Actually, you, can, you could go out to lunch right now. Like, that's all you need, you know? You need to be released from your shame with prayer. So, but if you want to stick around, I'd love it. So, with our renewed freedom in prayer, let's see what James has to say about praying. We are in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. He says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered with faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So James closes out this letter with an, with an encouragement to pray. And, and wouldn't you know it, he starts the letter with an encouragement to pray. After he says hello at the beginning, he's like, hey, everybody. Then he, he goes right into like, hey, if you need any wisdom, ask God for it. Go to God in prayer. Ask him for wisdom. And now he sums up his letter. He's ending his letter, not summing it up. He's ending his letter 
with encouragement to keep praying. So James, all throughout this letter, you guys have seen if you've been here, it's, it's really practical. He points some things out, and then he says, hey, uh, don't do that anymore. You should do it this way. You know, he, he, think, he gives things like stop your frivolous fighting among, among the church, and instead, humble yourselves, love each other, use your tongues to encourage each other, not tear each other down. Uh, you know, other time, like last week, we talked about wealth, and he said, hey guys, stop hoarding your wealth. It's not doing anyone any good. Like, instead, true wealth is caring for the orphan, is caring for the widow, is caring for the needs of your community. It's pretty straight and practical, pretty straightforward and practical stuff all throughout James. And the same is true with prayer. If I were to summarize this little section of scripture of what James is saying here, with one verb, I would say, pray. That's what he's asking us to do, pray. Good times, bad times, suffering times, hard times, mountain high times, pray. Pray at all times. One of the ideas that James is getting here, and this is my first of three points, is that we should pray holistically. Pray holistically. You know, I mentioned before that prayer is something to be woven through every part of our lives. We can pray in every part of our lives because the kingdom of God wants to touch every part of our lives. There isn't a place where God's light can't shine, especially when we open that place in our heart with prayer. In Philippians, we read this about prayer. This is another letter written to the church. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, in every situation, tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's common for us to compartmentalize church, right? Uh, compartmentalize um, prayer. We, we have all these places and times where prayer is appropriate, like uh, before meals, right? We pray before meals a lot of times. It fits nicely there. We pray before bed. It fits nicely there. Uh, we pray after church, right? In the back when Liz and Dan tell us we can go get prayer. We get prayer. It fits nicely there. Uh, we pray when the Bears are down by six to the Packers on the five-yard line with three seconds left. That is an appropriate time to pray, right? We, we've all done it in some form. These are all situations where prayer is like neatly fit into our lives. But the Bible calls us to expand that mindset, to pray in every situation. If you want to push more into praying without ceasing and praying in every situation like the Bible talks about, I've just got three things for you. There are hundreds of thousands of things you could do, but here's three. Start with three. In every emotion that you have, turn it into prayer. It, whether it's a positive emotion, a negative emotion, when you take that emotion and direct it towards God, it becomes a way to pray. Here's an example. Um, I love seeing red-tailed hawks around here. You guys see the red-tailed hawks around here? Like, they're just perched everywhere, you know. And once in a while, you'll see one flying up in the sky, 
and it flies right in front of the sunlight, and its red tail, like its deep red tail illuminates, you know, and I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. I can turn that into a prayer of just saying, God, that, that's cool. That's it. Or, you know, when we have a tough conversation at work or with family, something that's disparaging or something's going on in our life, we can just say, God, that was tough. That was really hard. I, like, sometimes I don't have any more words than that. I just tell God it's tough. It's hard. We direct those emotions towards God. That's the first. The second one is to memorize Scripture. Memorize, start in a psalm. Memorize a psalm. There's lots of short psalms you could memorize. And as we're memorizing those, they just come to our minds throughout the day, and we can make those into prayers. And third, there's this great little book called Every Moment Holy. Uh, I just, I think someone gifted this to me a year or two ago, and I really enjoyed it. There's prayers for everything in here. It's called Every Moment Holy. Does anybody have this book? Raise your hand if you have this book. I know some of you do. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's, got, it's got prayers for everything. Of course, it's got prayers for when you wake up, midday, at night. But then it's got stuff like prayers for laundry. That's fun, right? Prayers for doing laundry. I need a lot of prayers when I do laundry. <laughs> and, and a lot, yeah, that's great. I won't... I, uh, prayer for keeping of the bees. Any beekeepers in here? Anybody know a beekeeper? Oh, yeah, see, you got a prayer for him now. Uh, prayer for sunsets, prayer for stargazing, prayer for, oh, Josh. Josh Walker, this is for you. This is a prayer for setting up the Christmas tree. <laughs> Josh Walker, if you don't know Josh, he loves Christmas. Maybe we should say that this Christmas. We'll say this prayer, setting up the Christmas tree. Um, there's prayers for everything. Uh, prayers for when you're flooded by too much news. Uh, prayers, uh, uh, prayers for, oh, here's one. <laughs> prayers for road rage. So there's a liturgy in here for road rage. Don't look at your spouse right now. <laughs> some, of, some of you are like, I'm, I'm going to read that the whole time we're on our vacation next week. <laughs> so it's called Every Moment Holy. And it's just a way to pray about every moment. Bring meaning, bring God into every moment. Um, it's 15 bucks on Amazon. Go get it. If you want to pull out your phone and order it right now, I won't be mad. It's good stuff. Um, so, uh, every moment holy. So James, he invites us in to this holistic prayer. We're not just praying when we need things. We're not just praying for when we're in the lows or in the highs of life, we're praying holistically. We're letting our prayers weave through the rest of our lives. It brings God's heart into the rest of our lives. And what's promised? What's promised when we weave prayer throughout the rest of our lives in Philippians? That we will experience, this is what Philippians says, that we'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. That is a beautiful treasure of prayer. So number one, we have pray holistically. The second thing that James invites us into is to pray relationally. To pray relationally. Uh, pastor, Pastor John O, we call him Pastor John O because no one can pronounce his last name as you'll see here up on the screen. Prayer was never meant to be merely a personal exercise with personal benefits but a discipline that reminds us 
how we are personally responsible for others. This means that every time we pray, we should actively reject an individualistic mindset. We're not just individual, individuals in a relationship with God, but we're a part of the community of people who have the same access to God. Prayer is a collective exercise. Now, it doesn't mean you have to pray with people every time, but, but enter into the mindset that, this is a, that God is speaking to a lot of people, a lot of people. Our whole church, you know, is, is praying together to God. And so part of a prayerful life, part of a full prayer life, is to pray with and for others. There's many different religions, many different denominations, even in Christianity, where prayer is something seen as really individual. It's just between me and God. And if someone else does enter into it, then, then I'm just praying for them from a distance, right? But one of the gifts that the vineyard has for the world is the example that we set in how we pray. Now, I think every denomination, every church has gifts for the world. And I think the vineyard has a ton of gifts to give out. And one of these is how we are relational prayers, how we're always praying for each other and with each other. I discovered this when I first started attending a vineyard church after college. And I was going through a difficult job situation. It was not the job anybody wanted. It was, it was really hard. I was being, like, cussed out every day. It was, it was not fun times. And so I was just talking to this guy about it after church. And after I get, after I get done and he's listened to me, he says, Dan, he puts a hand on my shoulder. He says, Dan, can I pray for you right now? And I was kind of taken aback because no one, I, I can't remember a time where someone got done listening to me and said immediately, can I pray for you right now? I was used to where you like, you know, you say, I'll pray for you, and then you forget, you know, you don't actually pray for him. And then you see him the next week, you're like, oh, I forgot to pray for you. How's everything going? I've been praying for you, right? I'm, I'm used to that. That's what I'm used to. And so this guy says, can I pray for you right now? And I thought, right here? Right now, like, are we allowed to pray in the church lobby? Like, people are getting donuts over here. Do we need to go back into the sanctuary, go to the front and get prayer? Or... I didn't say any of that, but he just prayed for me right there. And in that moment, I experienced God's presence. I experienced God's peace about, the, about my situation. It was a totally new thing for me to be prayed for in that way. And in the following weeks, I discovered that not only do these vineyard wackos believe that, that God can move in your life, but they believe it enough to pray for it right there and then when you've got something going on. And we know that God's kingdom is moving and active right now. So why wait? Let's invite his peace and his presence into the situation when it comes up. Of course, Prayer doesn't have to happen just in the church. You guys know that. We can pray anywhere, believe it or not. This last week, uh, Liz and I were celebrating our 14th wedding anniversary last Tuesday. Thank you, thank you. Some of you are like, talk to me when you get to 50. Come on, you know, like you guys, some of you have been married for a, a while. And that's awesome, I love that. But anyway, 14 years. And so we went out to dinner. And... At the table behind us, I guess it was behind Liz, I saw these uh, young, they looked like college students, sat down. 
And they started, you know, I started catching words, and it perked my little ears, you know. So uh, I heard the word like missions, and I heard the word God, and I heard the word ministry. And so I was like, what are these guys? Who are these guys? I couldn't quite figure it out. And so when we were leaving, just like impromptu, I was like, hey, guys, what's your deal? <laughs> and they were, they were like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, I'm sorry. I, 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 heard, I heard these words. I heard these church words. Like, well, what are you guys doing? What's your deal? What are you doing? You're clearly like planning something or something. I said, oh, we have signed up for a two-year commitment to serve the students of U of I. So they're like um, missionaries to U of I. They're doing uh, student ministry to U of I. They're all like 25, 26. I was like, that is so cool. I love that. So we talked for a while. We said we were pastors, all that stuff. And then at the end, I just felt led to say, can I pray for you right now? And, you know, I, I put my hand on the kid's shoulder and I just prayed for God to come bless them and their ministry. And honestly, nothing crazy happened. It doesn't have to. It was just people, Christians, praying for other Christians that God would be a part of their ministry. And it, it was a really sweet thing. So prayer invites God into wherever we are, whether it's a restaurant celebrating our anniversary, just prayer is there. Can I pray for you right now? So this week, I want, I want to challenge you to, to ask somebody that. Can I pray for you right now? It's a bold ask. You know, the first time I did it, it was, it was really scary, especially to a stranger. But can I pray for you right now? It doesn't have to be to a stranger. It can be to a friend. It can be to another church person. But keep that phrase in your mind this week. Can I pray for you right now? So we pray holistically. We pray relationally. And lastly, here at Life Vineyard, everyone gets to pray. Everyone gets to pray. That's a phrase that's based off of another vineyard phrase, if you've been around any vineyards before. We say everyone gets to play. And what we mean by that is like, uh, God doesn't have superstar ministers that he does all of his work through. The Bible is very clear that the Spirit moves whoever he wants, and he gives gifts to whoever he wants, and so we believe that everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to do the ministry. And the same is true with prayer. Everyone gets to pray. My, uh, my mentor's mentor, his name is Steve. He was a pastor in Chicagoland, Evanston, and he, he tells this story um, about his mentor. So we're talking about my grandfather mentor and my great-grandfather mentor. It's kind of fun to, to trace that back. But. And his mentor, um, his, name, his name is John Wimber, and John Wimber helped found the Vineyard Churches. And he ended up becoming pretty famous in the Christian world, and people would fly him out to like speak at different conferences and stuff. And John Wimber would take Steve along with him to learn what he was doing. And this one time, they went to a conference, and these people come usually for two reasons to hear John Wimber. They, hear to, they come to hear him speak, and then after he's done speaking, they do a thing called ministry time, which is what we do after every service, where we just say, hey, if you want prayer for this, or we feel like God's saying this, come get prayer for this. And they want to hear John Wimber do that. So that's why they come, those two reasons. And so John Wimber gets done speaking, worship starts, and then ministry time is going to start soon. So John goes down to where Steve is in the chairs. He says, Steve, I don't know what God's doing. Can you believe? I, I don't know. Uh, do you know what God's doing? Do you have a sense of what God might be doing here? And, and Steve was like, whoa, you don't know what God's doing? That's, that's incredible. You're the great John Wimber, you know? 
And so Steve says, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple ideas. And so John hands him the microphone and says, those were, he tells him the ideas, and he says, those are great. I love those. Here's the microphone. You go deliver them. And Steve's like, uh, they're here for you, not me. And, and he, that's what he thinks. He doesn't actually say it. So Steve gets up there, and he delivers these words and says, hey, I think God wants to speak to you guys who are, who are going through this and this. And uh, people come down to the front. People start praying for each other. The Holy Spirit's moving in a really cool way. Steve goes back to his chair, hands the mic back to John and says, John, is there anything you want to add to that? And John says, no. He gives the mic right back to Steve. He says, but I'm feeling tired. I'm going to go back to the hotel. The Holy Spirit's clearly moving on you, so you just go up there and finish this out. And that's what Steve did a few different times. And so to the disappointment of some in the room, John Wimber didn't do the ministry time. But here's what John knew. He knew that the Spirit was not attached to him in any way. The Spirit moves who the Spirit wants to move through. The, mo- the Spirit's going to do what he wants to do, no matter who's in charge. There's no spiritual leader um, bringing the Holy Spirit. It's just whoever the Holy Spirit wants to use. And so, uh, it was not the first time John did that. It was not the first time Steve did that, once he had a bigger church and had people following him. And it's become this thing in the vineyard where we just give things away because the Holy Spirit is going to move how he wants to move. I challenged some of you, I challenged all of you earlier about saying, can I pray for you right now? And some of you heard that because I've been in your seat. Some of you heard that and just kind of set it to the side. Didn't even really think about it. I know that's not for me. But I want to come back to that. That is 100% for you. Because the Spirit's going to move through who the Spirit wants to move. And that could be you. If you would just ask, God, who do you want me to pray for? Open my eyes to who you want me to pray for. And then ask Him that. Can I pray for you right now? Everyone gets to pray. Everyone's invited into this. It's the beauty of the kingdom. There's also, you know, we've got tons of opportunities to pray here at the church. Um, Before every Sunday service, we meet in the first room on your right, down the hallway, at 9.30. 9.30 to 9.45, we pray for whatever's happening. We just pray for the service. We pray for wherever God leads. Uh, You guys know, uh, after service, we pray for people, right? And uh, everyone's invited to get prayer. But beyond that, you know what I love about our church? It's really unique to our church. I mean, there's other churches that do it, but I don't see it in a lot is that I just see pockets of people praying over here, praying over here, praying over there, praying in the lobby, praying in a kid's room, praying in the parking lot sometimes. You know, people just hear what's going on and someone says, can I pray for you right now? And you guys just start praying for each other. I love that about our church. So I want to invite you into prayer. Everyone gets to pray. We pray relationally and we pray holistically. Will you pray with me? And worship band, you guys can come up. Jesus, we thank you for inviting us into prayer. That's incredible. That's amazing that we can come directly to you and hang out with you, spend time with you, be in your presence, experience you. So thanks for being, thanks for setting that up in such a remarkable way. 
Jesus, we've given you our shame about it. We've confessed we haven't done it enough. And um, this week, help us to turn our hearts towards you in, in every situation. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, Go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.